got you all over here. Praise God, every one of you. Will you preach with me when the time comes? You will say amen. amen. Oh, thank you, Linda. I've always liked you more than anyone else. I'm so glad that you're here. You see, this is not a happy time of year. All of the year is a happy time when you know your sins are forgiven. Do we go through hard times? Yes. Do we go through despairing times? Yes. Do we go through sorrow? Yes. But there's something about a child of God that there's this spark of joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Do you understand what I know? It's knowing Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of all things. I have a message I'm going to preach to you this morning. But before I do, I have an emphasis on the message. I have a very good friend and his wife that are here today. In fact, Richard's brother, my Australian brother, stand up just a second. I see Richard in you all the time. That's another Clark. Thank you. Yeah. He's an Aussie. Richard said, I'm Australian by birth and American by choice. Thank you, brother. There's a song that was written in 1986, I believe. And this song went viral around the world. Michael English, uh, so many people, St. Lester, so many sing this song. I've sung this song many, many years. And the, the guy that wrote it has been a dear, dear friend of ours and his wife. In fact, his wife's father was our first pastor when we came to Branson in 1976. And a mentor in my life. This song is going to go along with the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 18 that I'm immediately going to preach after he's finished. But when I called Gene Reasoner and said, Gene, and he started Jubilation in Whitewater and some great, great groups around that played for any and everybody. But I said, Gene, I was telling you about this, kind of, kind of hinting, oh, and that's Benaiah's cousins, too, by the way, too, Pastor Benaiah's cousin. He said, I'll, I'll come and sing it. Who better can sing someone than the guy that wrote it? Amen. Viva, stand up and let everyone see you. This is Viva Reasoner. And as Gene is coming this morning, he wrote a song that said he didn't throw the clay away. If you've heard that song, this is the man that wrote it. He's going to testify a little bit and sing, and then I'm going to come and preach. Turn me off. Thank you, Pastor. Pastor told a joke about heaven. I, I'm going to tell you my favorite heaven joke. <laughs> J.D. Sumner said years ago when he was with the Blackwood Brothers, he was asleep in his bunk on the back of the bus. They were traveling somewhere, and he had a dream. And he dreamed they had a terrible bus wreck and everybody on the bus was killed. They went up to the pearly gates and James Blackwood was the first one to step up. And St. Peter said, James, in order for you to get in here, I need you to spell God. And James said, G-O-D. St. Peter said, come on in. Cecil Blackwood was next and Cecil, I need you to spell God. And he said, G-O-D. He said, well done, come on in. J.D. said, I was next. And St. Peter said, spell Albuquerque. <laughs> I don't know how many of us would make it. <laughs> I appreciate the Lord today. How many of you love Jesus? Just give him a wave offering. Isn't he awesome? And, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, I am old now. Um, I've learned more and more and experienced more of the love of God. And I, I, I appreciate that. I was born into a family um, when I was born, my family had just become swept up in the holiness movement. And most of my family are preachers. And I was raised in a very legalistic, performance-based spiritual atmosphere. 
And for many, many years, I thought God was mad at me, and I couldn't, I couldn't be good enough. And, uh, but I'm so glad that I've always been a speaker, uh, a seeker of the truth, and I, I believe that if you really are looking for the truth, God's going to show it to you. It takes us, some of us longer than others, but uh, uh, I, I'm so glad that he has shown me his love and that it's not, nothing is based on my performance. It's based on what Jesus did at the cross. And uh, in 1986, we were singing at a revival meeting in Okmulgee, Oklahoma. Brother Jerry Haynes was preaching the meeting, and he had asked us to come sing for a few nights, and, and uh, we did. And on the second night, he preached a sermon that I think is from the same scripture, Pastor, that you're coming from today in Jeremiah about the potter and the clay. Anyway, it was one of those nights when that sermon was for me. There was about 400 people there that night, but that's Brother Jerry was preaching to me that night. He was just reading my mail and telling my story, and it really touched me. And as he was preaching, I grabbed an offering envelope, and I wrote the first verse in the chorus to this song. And when I got back to the hotel that night, I really felt like this was a God thing. And, and, and I, I knew I needed a really strong second verse, and I asked the Lord to help me with it. And in about five minutes, I had the second verse. And uh, uh, as I said, it's, this song has just been a God thing. I give him all the glory and the praise for it. But uh, I just really believe that it will touch you today. So uh, just listen to the song. Empty and broken, I came back to Him. A vessel unworthy, so scarred with sin. But He did not despair, He started over again. And I bless the day he didn't throw the clay away. Over and over he molds me and makes me into his likeness. He fashions the clay, a vessel of honor I am today, all because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. He is the potter and I am the clay molded in His image. He wants me to stay. But when I stumble, when I fall, and when my vessel breaks, He just picks up all the pieces he never throws the clay away. Over and over, He molds me and makes me into His likeness. He fashions the clay. A vessel of honor I am today, all because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. A vessel of honor 
I am today. All because Jesus. It was all because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. Leave those, leave those words up there. Gene, would you step back down just for a moment at the piano? At the piano. Set back down at the piano just a moment. That's too good for only you to have that testimony. Maybe the Lord's saying, throw my notes away. How'd you like to sing that as a testimony of your life with the guy that wrote it? Over, over, and over. Sing it. Lead us, Gene. Into his likeness. Will you sing it with us? As comes the clay, a vessel, a vessel of honor, I am today. All because Jesus didn't throw the clay. One more time. Let's sing it one more time. Over and sing it to Jesus. He molds me and makes me into his likeness. Fashioned the clay, a vessel of honor. That's you. I am today all because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. Then you can go home and say you sang that with Gene Reasoner that wrote this song. Praise God. Thank you so much. You appreciate Gene and his music. So the title of the message, I'll tell you in a little while. I normally don't say right off the bat. Chapter 18 of the book of Jeremiah, the prophet. In chapter 18 of the book of Jeremiah, this prophet is being shown something by and through an example God's leading him to. Often God will put us in a place to show us and teach us something in our lives. And he's saying, pay attention. We should pay attention to everything around us, particularly when we're going through difficult times, because God speaks to us in different ways. I've told you this story many times when I really thought I was something. Have you ever thought you were something? That's a short-lived life without a pension. Don't take it. I was preaching in St. Louis at a big, huge conference, and I was getting ready. I had to go back on a Saturday, preach Sunday, back at the church where I was a senior associate pastor, Central Assembly in Springfield. I was preaching there, and I kind of thought that I'd arrived in I was getting ready to walk out of that place, and you've heard me tell the story many times, but there was a doorway, and there was a very small man there that was, in my thought, he was mentally retarded. I think I was the one who was, and after you hear this, you'll see. God spoke to me something through that man and said, never question the vehicle that I bring to you to tell you something from me. He said, I brought a donkey, a mule, to Balaam, and he spoke. I'll bring blind men, I'll bring widows, I'll bring anyone, but don't question the vehicle. I started to walk out the door, and I thought I was in a hurry, and he blocked the door with his hands like this, and then he looked up at me, and he said, Preacher, before you get through here, I've got to tell you a story. And in my arrogance, just he and I there, I said, Well, hurry up, I've got to go. And he asked me this question, Do you know how to make God laugh? 
And I said, how? He said, tell him your plans. Boy, I had plans. I had plans, and there was a lot of capital I in my plans. There was a lot of capital M-E in my plans. And God used a man that I considered to be mentally impaired to bring the most profound word to me I've ever heard in my life. Tell God your plans, and he'll laugh. You see, God's plans and our plans are <laughs> they're on two different levels. God's plan is on a divine level and ours is on a human level. God's plan is on an omniscient level, meaning he knows everything. Ours is on a very limited basis of information. What we see, what we hear, what we smell, taste, feel, our senses. <clears throat> but God has a divine sense that understands of what he's doing where we ask him many times, do this for me, because we see what's going on now. And we say, God, do this for me. And if God answered us when we did, he would do that one thing when he has about 25 things he wants to do in our life. It's better to trust God. It's better to lean on God, to believe and depend on God than our circumstances, our situations. <clears throat> Brokenness and molding to being supple in the hands of God is counter to anything that our society says is good or productive or right. When I talk to young preachers and I mentor young preachers, I tell them in the world... You have to have ambition. You have to be driving and ambition. But in the ministry, the greatest cancer that can hit your life is the cancer of ambition. Because, you see, we trade ambition for anointing. And there's no supplement for anointing. The anointing of God puts us in the place of Jesus in his mindset. The anointing of God causes us to be like Jesus. And so if instead of thinking about ourselves, we... Think about what he wants us to be, how he wants us to speak, where he wants to use us. I can tell you I've had a whole lot of plans in my life that I thought were really good that God needed to listen to. And he paid no attention to them. And I'm so thankful he didn't. Because I would have minimized what God wanted to do in my life. Every time when you tell him what you think. And your idea, as logical and as obvious as it is, God's vision of what's going on is far greater. And he says, I can use you there, or you can trust me, and I can remold and make you into something that's far greater. Now, not greatness by the definition of today. Because we have grown an entire generation of Christian celebrities. There are no such things. There's one celebrity, there's one boss, there's one to be raised up, and his name is Jesus, and beside him there is none other. We have a job to be Christ-like in everything we do. His humility was, without, was beyond compare. His counter to our hurts was beyond compare. His love for us was endless and remains endless. His patience was endless always enduring and he likes me and likes you and I don't even like me sometimes and he always likes us he sees my faults which are many he sees my weaknesses where are more he sees my heart though and he judges me on my heart nothing else not my gifts not my talents it's my heart that's where he's going to reward me at the end of the day. Was my heart willing to say, not my will, but thine be done? That's a Christ-like attitude. Was my heart one that said, Lord, it doesn't matter what I think I need to do or think I want to do or what I think I want to accomplish, I'm going to trust you to do it. And in order to do that, it many, and in fact, I've never seen a time when it doesn't 
have brokenness involved in it. Let me read some of my notes to you, and then I'll preach a little bit more. I have several pair of dollar store glasses here that are excellent glasses. The world sees brokenness as a weakness. Oh, I know. I've been in the world as a law enforcement officer. I've been in the world as a business leader in a major, a $30 billion company. I know the world. I know it real well. The Lord let me experience so I would understand it. The world sees brokenness as a weakness, but God sees brokenness. Listen to this. He gave me, the Holy Spirit gave this to me, not me. He, I give him all the credit. The Holy Spirit said, brokenness is a prerequisite. Say that word. Is a prerequisite for purpose. It's the predetermining part of purpose in our life. That's what brokenness is. There has to be brokenness for you to find your purpose with God. Brokenness is the character of surrender and the condition that's necessary to mold you into the image and vessel he's chosen for you to be. In Jeremiah chapter 18, as Jeremiah observed the potter working at the wheel with the clay, he began to see the clay was not expressing the potter's thoughts and plans for what he had for that piece of clay. The scripture says it. Let me read it to you. In Jeremiah chapter 18, starting in verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I'll give you my, my message. I'm going to speak to you through a message. Don't question the messenger of God. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from that clay was marred in his hands. That means it wasn't turning into what he had planned for it to be. You ever had plans? God, this isn't what I planned. God, this isn't at all what I planned for my life. This isn't what I planned for today. This isn't what I planned for now. Are you a child of God? Yes, I'm a child of God. Do you love Jesus? Yes, I love Jesus. Do you believe that the footsteps and orders of a righteous man or woman's ordered by God? Yes. Do you believe the scriptures that says that he guides and leads us? That we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart? Yes. Lean not into our own understanding. Yes. In all of our ways, acknowledge or be like Jesus, and he will direct your path. That means I can be in the will of God every day. Every, I don't have to wake up looking for a panoramic, my hair blowing in the wind like Charleston Heston and the Ten Commandments, and here's something. No, I can wake up knowing the will of God every day. <clears throat> so I went to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. Verse 4. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred. It wasn't what he had in mind. I just said it. It wasn't the image that he was looking for, and it wasn't what he chose it to be. Then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel. Now you can put your name in that place right there. Oh, you, who you are listening online in this house. He said, can I not do with you as this potter does? He's saying to children of God all over the planet, can I do with you what I want to do? You see, this potter had this piece of clay, and the clay had no mind or reasoning, but it wasn't turning into the image that he was looking for. 
So then that clay says to itself, I'm a failure. I'm not what I wanted to be. I'm not what I wanted to do. I'm not anything at all where I think I should be. And it's your plan and my plan and I've been there. And we have a tendency to think we're a failure when all we are is a piece of marred clay, nothing more. <clears throat> o house of Israel, cannot do, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like the clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in the hands, in my hands, O Israel. <laughs> There's one thing about the potter that I think is remarkable in, this, remarkable in this story. He didn't throw the clay away. He didn't throw the clay away. He remade it, remolded it. Here's what he didn't do. He didn't abandon the clay. I've told God so many times what I thought he should have done and how he should have done it. And all I've done is delayed his perfect will for my life. Even I have detoured the will of God and had to come back to the right place. And he lovingly brings me back. But he didn't abandon me. He didn't throw me away. He stayed with me. Which gives me the understanding as a child of God, as a pastor, when I have people that don't really live up to what I think they ought to live up to, it's easy for me and my self-righteousness to go, hey, buddy, I've given you chance after chance, and you chance after chance, sister, and I've had it with you, and you just go your way, and I go my way, and I so thank God that he didn't do that to me. Amen. Amen. I must remember that he keeps taking me back to this place. He keeps remolding and shaping me and making me into his image for my life. And I'm talking to every one of you listening online and in this room right now that God will remold you as long as you allow him to and keep your will out of the picture. The will of man is such a sacred thing with God. I, I, I thought many times, I, I was praying one day, and I thought, Jesus, you had all these Pharisees around you. You had them there when you raised the dead. When Lazarus came out of the tomb, you had them there when you healed the lepers. You had them there when the cripples got up and walked, the blind saw. Why didn't you just, you know, whatever they do now, and make them know you. Why didn't you just, with your divine nature, open their minds? I really asked a hard question, I thought. And Jesus came back to me and said, for one reason. And this is what he said to me. The will, the free will of man, I have given them and I will not I have put a boundary on myself that I will not infringe on the free will of man. <sighs> you see, God can and God alone can put boundaries on himself. And I will not infringe on the free will of man. What's that mean? That means my will is I can ask Jesus to help me or I can reject Jesus. I can ask Jesus to come in my heart and he will save me and redeem me and remove every stain of sin away from me and give me eternal life. Or I cannot have that by my free will. I can go to heaven or I can go to hell. It's my choice. And I want to tell you he did not create hell for mankind God created hell for the devil and, the, and his demons, and that's all. Anyone who rejects the free will and the choice that God gives us makes his choice to reject God, but he won't mess with our free will. I can choose to serve him, and he'll help me through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and you become a temple of the Holy Ghost, and he in you is the light 
in your eyes that you see, the ears that you hear with the senses that you understand. He's the revelation of God to you and the power in every circumstance you have to be able to come to the Father. He's there to help you when you call on Him. He's there. That's your will. And if you want that, you've got it with Jesus. It's all taken care of. It's paid for and it's free and it's yours. It was a tremendous cost. It was a complicated cost from the before the beginning of time when there was vast nothing, just space and heaven, the glory of heaven was there, the kingdom of heaven there. Even before the angels were created and all things are created, the Bible says in John chapter 1 in the beginning was God and the Word Jesus, there's his title prior to his coming to earth. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And everything that was created, that is created, was created by the Word. So before anything was created, God and God alone created the will of man. What a thought. What a God. What a plan. And we can have anything in him we want. Nothing can restrict that. You see, the thing that breaks the barrier of sin, that breaks the bondage and the chains that come to you is found in one word and one word alone, one title. When I cry, Jesus, all of hell has to bow. Oh, I know that one day the scripture says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. My friends, that's not going to be at the judgment. That's today when I call on the power of the name of Jesus. Every demon that's in the area around there has to bow to the name of Jesus. Has to bow to the authority and the glory of the Son of God, the risen Savior. And when I begin to pray and ask God to come, I create something that's so in absolutely impossible to believe when I say Jesus and begin to worship him there is a dome around me that the enemy cannot is in he is not permitted to come into the presence of God and anytime I pray God opens his presence up and the enemy has to stay away and bow to the glory of God and I have a one-on-one encounter with the king of kings and lord of lords and all I have to do is in simple faith believe and he answers anything I have, any need I have, any concern I have. That's the glory of the Father invested in us. That's who we are. Oh, there's no better way of explaining it than Paul talking to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He's preaching and he says in verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. This is the vastness of nothing in God creates light. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Oh. He gave us light. We don't walk in darkness. We don't have to see past today. We can't. He's omniscient. He knows. That's the trust we have. I know who holds tomorrow. What an old song. What a great song. And I know who holds my hand. As long as I will take the following position and relinquish the leading position and give that to God, I'm all right. Well, he didn't stop there in his speaking. But we have these treasures in jars of clay. Woo. Man, that's you. That's me. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Man, it's all God. How come it's God? Well, there's a jar there, and that jar just didn't get made, just didn't grow out of a bush. That jar had to be formed. Had to be fired after it was clay. I have a very, very close friend since I was 18 years old. 
in our family. And he's an artist. He's a renowned artist. His name's Ren Helwig. I was in his studio one day, many years ago, and there was these 50-pound bags of white sand. And he would take one of the 50-pound bags of white sand, and it was sand, and he would put it in a kiln with heat, 3,000 degrees, and it would melt into clear glass. He had this long pole, and he'd stick this pole into the kiln. And that molten glass, he would twirl it until a ball of liquid, hot molten glass was on that. Then he would take it out and roll it in these colors that his wife, Rosie, would put on a table. Roll it. Then he would stick it back in and let it get hot again. Then he would bring it out and he would begin to blow just a little at a time as only an artist could. And he would shape it. And he would form some incredible things. You see these two lamps that are burning right here? Those were the bags of sand. These are two of the lamps that Wren created. But he had, as beautiful as that is, it had to be put in the kiln of fire and melted down to where it could be used by God. You and I. Where it could be used by the artist. He added the color. It was the breath of Ren Helwig, that glass. It was the breath of the artist that expanded it. <clears throat> and when it was just right, and how he would know, I would know, but they're so symmetrically close. And when they were just right, he would twirl them, and he would take them off and let them once again go to another kiln and harden we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars that started out as clay. They were put in the fire and hardened and formed for a purpose. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is all God and not any of us. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? I'm so glad he didn't abandon us, but here's what he did. But rather, he began to remold it and make, remold us. He stretched us. He changed us. He altered us from what we started out as and changed us into something completely different. You know the title of the message? One does. Here's the title of the message. I called my dear friend Bishop Tim Hill this morning. He always says, if your bullet fits my gun, I'll shoot it. So we trade words. The title of the message is very simply this. If the clay could speak. If the clay could speak, he said, watch the potter. Watch what he does. And the potter started out and something got wobbly. That's me. Something wasn't centered right. And it began to get off course. That's me. Why are you sucking air, Pastor? Because I can't breathe. My sinuses, just bear with me, all right? I'm all right. I'm not going to die. I just can't breathe. Something got off center. And it wasn't the potter. It was the clay. Now, I know none of you here have ever blamed God for anything. But by chance, if one of you ever have, you're in good company because I have. And my word was, God, I cannot see any purpose or value. And, he, and I was right. I see here. And he sees here. 
I can't see one bit of you in this. And after a while, he said, you wouldn't recognize me if I hit you with a rock. You can't see what I see. You can't know what I know. God, where are you in what's going on? That's where I have to trust this because when I start doing that, I get off of the center point of that wheel. And that wheel, that has got to be perfectly centered. The only way you and I can be perfectly centered is in Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There's no other additive or supplement. I don't know if any of you all take supplements. <laughs> I dread that every morning, but I take some. Handful of supplements. You don't need a supplement with Jesus. He's everything. He's all in all. He's the totality of everything that exists. And he's the center of everything. We don't have to have the approval of humanity. We don't have to have the success. They Listen, the world doesn't, nor will it ever understand the principles of the Bible. They'll be seen as weaknesses and failures. And you're naive and you don't have ambition. And, and who would... Choose brokenness when you can have success. When God says, if you don't allow me to break you and form you and mold you, you cannot be what I have planned for you. And so, as a child of God, we have a totally different understanding. Our understanding is, God, what I don't understand, you do. What I don't see, you see. I must trust you in the circumstance I'm in and know that if I'll put my will if I'll put my trust in you and truly serve you. Now, you can't be a Monday, Wednesday, Friday Christian. There's no such thing. That's like a semi-truck. What does that mean? Is that like a semi-frog? What's that mean? You're not a part truck. You're an all truck. You're not a part frog. You're an all frog. I was a little boy, and I went to a revival with my father. And I walked around the back of the church. And the pastor of the church had left during the song service, and I caught him doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. Let your mind go nuts. I, I just knew he was sinning as a little boy, and it just it devastated me. I, 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 the whole service, I'm just sitting there. Oh, preachers are preachers. No, no, no. Preachers are human. And if they're not Christians first, they're not preachers. They're just imposters. So I go home that night and I'm devastated. And I tell my dad, oh, look, Dad, I need to talk to you privately. Yes, yeah, son, why? I've told you this story. My, my Jewish father had that wit of Abraham and still was a southern gentleman. And I said, Daddy, I saw this with my own eyes. Sit down, son. Now, here he goes. You going to speak in Hebrew or English? What do you want to tell me? He said, hey, let me tell you something. You can paint a man green until he's totally green. You can lift him up and set him on a giant lily pad on a pond, and he can go rivet and rivet, but that doesn't make him a frog. Said you can put a man in a suit and put him behind this sacred desk and he can say all these things, but that doesn't make him a child of God. You see, these promises are for people that have chosen Jesus. Not given up the world, not sacrificed what I've got to. I've never sacrificed anything in comparison to the glory and the eternal promise that I have from God and the daily help that I have from Jesus. That truth in me is far greater than anything. There's nothing the world can give me that will supplement my salvation. Do you remember a few years ago I really thought I was going to die and God gave me the three prayers that we pray in this church. Father, heal my mind. God, heal my mind. It was in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, if you're going to take me, are we okay? 
But if you leave me, give me something. He said, write these three prayers. Pray first this, heal my mind. And I saw a vision of God. Not healed, but a vision of what he meant. I saw religious clutter in my life. I was born in this. I saw doctrines. I saw every flavor of the month and every imposter and every prophet and teacher and preacher. Are they real? Yes, the five-fold ministry is real. But I saw everything, everything that a person can see in regard to religion. He said, ask me to heal that, clean that all out. So only you look into my face. God, heal my mind. Then he said, then pray this prayer. Correct my thinking. Oh, God. Don't, and here's the part, listen to me. When he said, heal my mind, then correct my thinking. Here's what came to me as a vision, as clearly as it can be. Think the way I think. I can't think on a divine level, but I can think like he thinks. That means the word of God is truth without error. Think the way I think. And he's saying this too. Don't be concerned about what the world thinks about you. Don't do that. Because it will get you off center on the wheel. It'll hurt your feelings. It'll hurt your pride. It'll hurt your ego. It'll hurt, and your plans. Correct my thinking that I think what you think. I want to think the way, I want to please you and nothing and no one else. And the last thing he said, pray this prayer. Direct my decisions. So when my mind is healed, and my thinking is corrected. My decisions will be God's de decisions in my life. All I have to do is be a clump of clay and let the potter do what he will do. And if I get off center and he has to lift me up and remold me, it's better than him saying, well, we're just going to take what we have and make what we can, and maybe we can sell you at a discount house. No, he said, no, I have a plan for you, and I'm going to remold you. So I'm going to take you up off the wheel. He's not saying you failed. That's you saying that. If you live in failure, you'll never have a future. Never. He doesn't say anything about that. He doesn't look at you as a second-class citizen. He doesn't look at you as you had your chance. and you No, he just wants to take that piece of clay and start over again. That's your choice. That's your will. That's my will. If I will the Father to take me, if I will the Father to use me, if I will the Father to do with me what he wants to do, he'll do it. When he puts me on the potter's wheel and I begin to agree with the Holy Spirit to let him, not the world, not the ethics or morals or values of the world to mold us or to mold you or to mold me. But we say yes to Jesus. Now we're saying, let's see what Jesus can make with my life. Think he can do better than you have? I know he can in my case. You think he will? Absolutely. He's waiting for us. Yeah, but I'm old or I'm young. It doesn't matter what your age or time or lack of time is. It's when we will, he will. Let's see where Jesus can use us. Let's see the change in your life. All because you allowed him to mold you and create you into what he knows you can be by his knowledge and love and care for you. Jesus didn't throw the clay away. 
This won't make sense to the world, but it will make perfect sense to God, and he will reflect himself in you. You mind just saying that one more time? All right, I'll pay you twice. I'm not, I'm just, this is my brother. Would you come back, Gene? You see, today, listen to me. Don't check out. We're, this is the point. Today, we're at the potter's house. This is the guy that wrote the song. And we're watching the potter on a little piece of paper write down one of the most profound songs that's ever been written. Michael English made it famous, the Lester's. But that's not what makes it what it is. What makes it what it is, it's truth. A vessel of honor. And we'll put the words back up there. And I want you to listen and I want you to contemplate in just a minute, and then we're going to stand. I'm going to pray with you. First, I'm going to ask you this before we start. If you're here this morning and you're off center, and I'm, and I'm talking about away from God, and you're trying to do this by yourself, if you're watching online right now and you're trying to do it by yourself and you're just wobbling all over everything, there's no stability there's no direction and there's no future for you. And there is none without Christ. I don't know what anyone says. If that's you and you want to get back on center, today's the day. This is the opportunity. It's your will, yes or no. No one's going to make you or force you. No one's going to try to guilt you into it. It's an opportunity. Take it or you don't have to. But if you want it. If you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I need to further consecrate my life to God. I want to not care what the world says. I want God you to heal my mind and correct my thinking and you direct my decisions and let the peace that transcends all understanding flood my heart with your love. I want you to contemplate this. My brother, the writer of the song, sings. 